0: Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 56 of the Leadership Window Podcast. I do hope everyone has had a wonderful holiday season thus far. I can tell you I'm excited about my favorite holiday of the year. In fact, my favorite day of the year, New Year's Day. I just love the freshness of a new year, even if it is just a reference point. I just love the idea of it. Uh, I love beginnings, so I love uh, mornings because I love the beginning of a a new day. I love Mondays because it's the beginning of a new week. New Year's Day is just kind of inspiring and refreshing and energizing to me. Anyway, uh, we are ready to, to get our last episode of 2021 in, and we are honored to have our guest today that's going to help us do that and our guest today is an Oregon rancher that's a switch right for this podcast Um, but I will tell you this is not your ordinary animal farmer this is Shauna Shu, and she is an adventurer a speaker an entertainer a leadership expert, and uh, a fellow coach. So there's an affinity there. She helps leaders find their blind spots and helps them lead teams effectively. She has two TEDx talks. I've listened to them both. They're awesome. She is an expert in neuro-linguistic programming. She's worked with everyone from Nike to Fashion Group International. And she joins us today from the West Coast. Welcome, Shauna Shu. Glad you are here. Thanks for carving out time for us.
0: Welcome. I'm, thank you. I'm thrilled.
1: Good. Well, we met by phone a few weeks ago and I think we realized when we talked on the phone, we were both just going to enjoy this, um, enjoy this episode because we both have kind of a, just kind of a, an ability to talk off the cuff and just have a conversation about leadership. And you've got some unique perspectives on leadership that, uh, I've had a, a fun time getting to know a little bit and I'm anxious for our listeners to get a little bit about, but, um, you know, I think one of the things I think I've figured out Shauna is I think I know why you love animals so much. And I think it's because they're so much easier to lead than people. (laughs) Would you agree?
0: So much easier to what I'm, I'm, there's a little feedback coming in on mine. So what do you think they're easier to do?
1: I think they're easier to lead than than people are.
0: (laughs) It depends on the animal.
1: Oh, well, Patrick. that's, I guess, and, and the person.
0: <laughs> and the person. It depends on the animal. It depends on the person. And I think the first the first thing we lead is ourselves. Oh, that's true. And let's, let's take that, for instance, is not an easy thing to do.
1: No. And um, as a coach, one of the most difficult things and probably impossible things, really, to do is to coach myself.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: you know, I can try. So- I can think, you know, I can get sort of aware of, well, what would I, what would I say right now? If I I were someone else and I were coaching them, what would I ask? What would I do? But it's just not the same. You need that, that, that third party, you need that neutral, safe accountability partner, not just your head.
0: I would agree. And that's why I think all my life I've been, I've been, not only a coach, not all my life, but I've also been coached. And Mm -hmm. right now I'm in a program and I'm working on the subconscious mind and I'm digging that. And I, I'm like you, I dig a new year. I dig all those. Um, I, I put a big calendar on my wall and I love the idea of all these spots, right. Mm -hmm. That I get to fill, like it, it sparks my imagination. And then I've got some adventures planned. So then I put those in in color, right? And I'm like, oh, somebody, a friend of mine once said, and I don't know who said it originally, that people need three things. They need someone to love. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean the person to love. It means right. loving, yes, mm-hmm. uh, being in, being around love. They need something to do. And I would say that that's their gift. That's their their sweet spot. And then the last thing is something to look forward to. Mm. Now, think about this is I think sometimes it depends on when we're real young, we're looking forward to our children getting older (laughs) or we're looking forward to some things like that. But ultimately, inside your life, what are those pieces that you're putting in in the next year that you are absolutely looking forward to?
1: Yeah, that's really good. And I leaders need to do that. Of course, the most of the listeners of this show are leaders of nonprofit organizations, and many of them are in some deep, dark places of societal ill, you know, they're, they're dealing with domestic violence and homelessness and hunger and, um, you know, um, poor health and poverty and all these things. And it's difficult to stay in your person, it can become really difficult to kind of, come out of that, come above it and have this sort of full fulfillment and restore your own joy and peace. And, uh, you got to refresh, you've got to spend some time refreshing and regenerating and having something to look forward to is one of those things. I I've coached so yes. many people that don't, for example, they just, Oh, it's been, you know, I can't, I don't even remember the last year I took a vacation. Well, <laughs> Yeah, that might explain some, <laughs> might explain some of the difficulties you're having. Yeah. You know?
0: Yes. Well, and that's the other thing. Um, in the world, right? Sundays used to be a day of rest. That yeah. was the whole point. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen anymore. No, there's and just so not one. Where do we give ourselves something to look forward to? And more importantly, those times. But otherwise, as a leader, I find one of the things I do for my clients is A forced reflection Mm -hmm. so i now they don't always have to go but the ones that do get most most value at once a month i do a goals call and i send out a packet there's four elements to it and there's an hour and if you will be there's no teaching this is you asking yourself in these four elements personally what did i accomplish this past month and what do i want for the new month relationally, who, the people, all of that in the past month and the upcoming month, professionally, what are we doing? What are we proud of? And what do we want to move forward? And then lastly is your lifestyle. And part of that is self-care or vacay or what, what makes you do all the work that you're doing. And I think we a lot of times when you're thinking about goals, we lose the lifestyle piece as I believe that we're in the life we've already created. Now that could be very horrifying to someone (laughs) or it could be joyously freeing. I'm, I created the life I've got right now. Right.
1: I I agree with that. And I think it exists organizationally too. You know, the, the, the dynamic your organization is, is facing is a direct result of the environment you've created as, as a leadership and as a team. Um, it, it, and it sounds so elementary to say it kind of insulting to the intelligence, but it's actually very profound, uh, because there's, you know, you can't just blame, right? You, you you Mm -hmm. can't just point the finger and and find fault in someone else as to why you are where you are, why your organization is where it is. That's the whole point of accountability. I heard something the other day and I'm going to, I'm, uh, probably going to do a quick uh, video episode on this too. Uh I was reading a book called Community by Peter Block, I think is his name. And he was talking about accountability, the word accountability, and he didn't say this, but in his in his definition of accountability, it dawned on me what the word actually says. It's account ability. <laughs> it's yes. the it's the ability to account. Yeah. And boy, I mean, just thinking about that, it's like, so instead of blaming others, do you have the yes. ability to account for yourself and to account for your actions and your role in something? And we think of accountability as this consequence, this, this punitive sort of, you know, I'm holding you accountable, but really it's, are we helping our people form the ability to account? Agreed. Who would who wouldn't want and that? And I just, I love that. How and do you get
0: that ability? that was the next question, Patrick, if you say, uh, can I account like someone once said this to me, and I've agreed, I am at the scene of every crime in my life. There's, there's only one person, one one
1: common denominator,
0: one one common denominator. And so if I can actually understand, do I have the ability to understand that? And I think other people like, well, that was done to me. No, no, Right. No, you were there, you participated in some form. Yeah. And so where does that ability come from? Does it come from the outside? Does it come from this, what you just did, this knowing? Yeah. Do I have the ability? And some people don't.
1: Yeah. I think it starts with the question you, that you just asked. Yep. Do I, yep. do I actually have the ability? If you really pause and ask that question, uh, it's, then you start to say, what is that ability? What is the actual competence required? Oh, sure. You know, I guess there's, you know, first of all, pe- people do things. This came from, um, uh, you know, the folks that did uh, Crucial Conversations. Um, yes. Vital Smarts is the group. And they're, they're uh, one of their programs is and books and bodies of research is called Influencer. And in that they say people do things for two reasons and two reasons only, and they both need to exist. They want to, and they can So I think for let's, if we applied that to accountability, first of all, they have to want to account. They have to, they have to feel some motivation for I'm contributing to something that other people are counting on. Can, Can I, account? am I willing to, do I want people to rely on me? Do I want to be able to rely on myself? Do I really want to be accountable? And then do I know how to be accountable? And what they talk about in the influencer work is, what we often think is a motivation problem is actually an ability problem.
0: Yes. And yes. we think,
1: well, you're lazy or you don't care or you're, you know, whatever. And often it's just because, no, I just I just don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. And so I might appear to be non-caring.
0: Agreed. And one of the things I work with my clients a lot because I work with leaders that have teams. Yeah. And whether it be one or many, many people on your team I'll get this they're not doing their job yeah. or they're not they're making errors and or they act they, the leader gets an impression that they don't want to be there and it could be that they don't want to be there or it could be that they act actually do not know how to either access the resources they don't know how to ask the questions that will get them where they need to go. And so instead of assuming it would be much better ask a series of wonderful, non-threatening questions for them to be able to say, wow, I guess I need more abilities based on what we're talking about right now. I need more abilities. Or do you believe that you are able to learn this? Some people aren't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you think, you think some people aren't able to learn it? In the right environment?
0: Great question. And maybe it's not able. And that's such a great word, this ability piece. Maybe it really is unwanting. And like you were saying, they have to want to. Or, and they un- have to
1: or unbelieving. They don't believe they uh, can. They want so. to, but they don't believe they can. Yeah, I remember, you know, back when I was in a lot of MBA programs, have. Um, not only cohorts, but study teams within the cohorts. And you present a lot of work together as a team. And I remember all the teams that would, you know, kept coming to class complaining about, I hate these study group teams because I'm doing all the work and -and so-and-so won't carry their load. And we, you know, we've tried to do this and we've tried to do that. And the professors don't have any, you know, they don't have any solutions for him. You know, they don't, they just hey, figure it out right? This is, this is an MBA course. This is about learning how to work with teams and leadership will arise and you figure it out and you tell us what's going on. But, um, that carries over into work because people go, look, I can't control somebody else on my team. I can account for myself, but I, I can't make somebody do something. And I find myself constantly having to, to pick up slack. And so
0: that's where my work comes in so intensely in that this is what's happening. Now, what's the question to bring out a different result? So a lot of times inside a team, if I'm doing all the work, it means that I took that role on or I didn't ask for help. There's a lot of abilities that I'm not using, or I'm assuming, or I don't trust that they can do it as well as I could do it. So most of the time it's internal. All of our problems are our own. I mean, we, we mostly created them and people will say, no, that person's hard to get along with. And I always say this, if you say so, yeah, because they just made it true. Yeah, that's true. And then you suddenly stop and say, okay, well, what would it look like if they were good to work with? And what would you ask them? Yeah. And what most people are doing is they're telling them, they're telling them what to do and telling them how to do it and telling, and people don't necessarily like to be told some. And so they don't do it. They don't have to.
1: Uh, good segue into something I heard you say in one of your TEDx talks about being a pusher and how we are um, as, as people, but certainly as leaders, since this is the context and this is a show about leadership, uh, leaders are often pushers and tellers, as you said, and sellers, as you have yep. said. Well, by the way, another influencer uh, tenet is that there's a difference between influence and persuasion. You know, we constantly want to persuade somebody to do something. We tell them we sell it, we sell it, we sell it rather than creating an environment that influences them to behave the way that we want. But uh, talk a little bit about, first of all, how do you help leaders identify that they are tellers? Yeah. How do you help Um, them? How do you help them see that? Uh, We'll talk about blind spots even more generally in a minute, because I know that's a big part of your work, but when you find a leader that's doing a lot of telling and pushing and selling, how do you help them see that and then get over it?
0: One of the best things a leader can do or a coach, and you know this, because this is what you do is ask the right question. Right. So when this would be for every listener, when you hear yourself Telling someone else. Well, I told them. I told them a hundred times, even in your spouse, I told you that. This is when you really get that you are not asking questions, you're not engaging, (laughs) there is no two-way here. (laughs) This is you telling. And a lot of times I let them know how important this was to us. Well, you're selling. So the words people use, I my background is all in neurolinguistic programming. And The three breakdowns of that is your neurology, how your brain fires. The second piece is your language. And even though the word might not be it, the word is alerting me to a belief you have. And that's where it becomes so apparent when someone says, I told them and I told them this and I told them that, or I really imparted how important this was, which is all sales. And then I'll simply in my clients say, what did you ask them? There's this dead silence, right? Yeah. There's this big pause and they're like, "Um, I don't think what?" <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what did you ask them? And that's when they get the realization that they're down a path that's not appropriate or not working for them.
1: Yeah. And and oftentimes they think they're asking, but they're still telling. Just because it's in the form of a, of a question, just because it has a question mark at the end doesn't really mean it's actually a curious question or a drawing out question or a significance question. It can just be, I'm leading you with a a question. So, you know, a request is actually sort of a, a need or a demand but we call it a request. Um, I'm, I'm uh, um, one of the trainers that has coached and is training me is Kim over and she is uh, head of the Academy of choice. And so very much into choice theory. And <laughs> I quoted her the other day because she, in her training videos, she says some of us have a tendency to think that if someone hasn't complied with our request after three tries, then 3000 more should do the trick.
0: That's a great quote.
1: And I just love this because it's so true. We think, well, let's just keep saying it. Let's just keep saying it. Keep telling them, keep telling them. And and even again, even in what we say is a question, but it really isn't.
0: Well, let's use animal analogy here for an example, which I love to do. So if you ever have had a dog or, and most Americans are in love with their animals. Well, the world is in love with their animals. And a trainer will tell you this. You only ask it once. So if you ask your dog to sit and it doesn't sit, you help it learn that that's what you're asking. But instead, guess what we say? We say sit. It doesn't sit. So we go sit a little louder, yeah. a little stronger. And then we go, I said sit. And the dog has learned we that it sits that. on we the third time. We do that with time. our kids too. Yeah. <laughs> and so the the lesson here is one ask. And then if they're not complying, right, you're not going to ask them 3,000 more times. You're going to say there's an action. There's an ask and then there's an action. And usually the the action would come along with the ask or like you were, I wanted to insert that when I work with my clients, they will say something like, oh, Shauna, I did ask a good question. And I'm like, okay, tell me what the question you asked was. And this is where it came in what you were saying. They consider it a question when they say, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, not, that's a, not a good question. <laughs> you, you know thinking? what I mean? Or what would you, why would you do something like that? Or uh, Why can't
1: you be more like Bob?
0: Whatever your, your questions. Yes. That was a question mark, but it's poor. And so it's, it, you know, there's this band aid we call questioning. Um, If this is one of the things that I teach over and over and over again, however, if you believe that you're a great questioner, you probably are not because you're just making everything a question instead of the kind of question that gets the results that you want.
1: Yeah. Are you drawing out? Are you drawing out the deepest thought? The other thing is tone in the same question. So, you know, one of a coach's favorite question for for me is, well, what do you think, Shauna? What are your thoughts on this? So what do you think is a, a wonderful coaching question, but tone is everything because I can say, Hmm, what do you think? Or I can say, well, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like, Idiot. You can't figure this out. Uh, you know, so even the same question can really make a difference depending on the tone and the intent. My, our coach and trainer, Jim Smith at, at, at LSI uh, really drives home the point of being truly curious.
0: Well said, because I would say that the the technique of asking, what do you think? What I have found is many, when we get to the deep work, many people don't know. They they really do not know what they think or mm-hmm. what they think about it or what they want. Mm-hmm. And when you ask these questions that are deep questions, it can throw somebody completely under the bus in their own heart because they go, I, I, I'm not thinking anything. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. that was apparent based on the result. And so then when we're like, well, what do you think should happen here? Or you have a new person, a new leader, and or someone new in a role. And you're like, well, tell me what you think about that. And I had a a client one time that was so happy with herself because she had new hires and they would follow somebody around and ask, you know, fill in questions and do all this stuff. And so it was a couple of weeks in and I was part of this facilitated conversation and she said, Let's look at your notebook. And the woman burst into tears. And she said, I have nothing. And it surprised my client. And I just listened. And she said, why don't you have anything? There's a question. And the woman, as she's crying, said, I'm too new to know what to ask. And indeed, she is too new to know what to ask or know what to think or have an opinion about something. So that So I guess you and I are doing something where we're asking people what we can do about something, but it's not just the simple thing. It's the more difficult thing, if that makes sense. It does. It's not just about asking a question. It's about exactly. your, your intent, your awareness, what you really want to accomplish with this human being. Because a lot of leaders want to be right. They don't necessarily want the answer. But right. that's human nature, not just leadership.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And and you're right about the what do you think question. You know, so normally when you went in my experience with executives that are trying to empower their leadership team, for example, and and expect them to take initiative and be engaging. What will happen is the person always comes to the CEO and say, hey, what do we do about this? We got a problem. Yeah. We got a situation. And what I've learned is that the, what are your thoughts on this? You know, what are your thoughts? You know, what are are you thinking about it? Is I I find that more often than not, they actually came in there with an answer. They just weren't sure if it was the right one. And so they were afraid to say what it was. They were afraid to come in and say, Hey, such and such has happened. Um, I'm, I'm inclined to think that we need to do such and such and such and such. You have any, you have any different thoughts on it? That would be what the leaders wanting to see, yes, but the yes. but the leaders a little too afraid to do that, and so by giving them permission to say what they think, the the answer is often there. It's Beautiful. interesting too, though. Here's something I learned, and I wish that I uh, I wish more people had this skill, and I try to teach it to as many people as I can. <laughs> Another thing I learned from Jim Smith. Shawna, you may have never gotten to this point, but when you're coaching a client and you don't know the next question to ask, I've, I've been there, I've been there plenty of times, you know, you're in a a challenging situation and sometimes it's like, boy, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling on track or I, I, I'm not sure if the very next question I ask is, is going to be one that really opens up. I'm kind of lost on what the question is. And so our, our, uh, you know, Dr. Smith taught us, he said, I did this by accident one time. I actually, because I got stuck, I looked at the coachee and I said, if you were the coach right now, what would be the next question you would ask?
0: I thought, right.
1: Wow. Like, you know, And, and they came up with a good question. They said, well, I probably should be asking myself, you know, why I didn't do this." Well, that's a great question. And how would you answer? And it put him back on track. And I say that to say that, you know, when you don't know, when someone says, what do you think? And you don't know. Yes. Uh, the, the gift I think in this for me has been to be able to say, I'm not sure what the next question is. Mm hmm that's what I Or even
0: the next step.
1: Or the next step. I I Whatever it might be. I kind of lean over here, but I don't even know if I'm in the right track. And so helping people to feel comfortable just expressing beyond just, I don't know, I I kind of thought, you know, for the bucks I'm paying you, you'd tell me, right? Um,
0: (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing that, like, there's two, we're dancing along this line where most people do know but it depends on how the leader has set it up to begin with. right? And so we're taking a big assumption here. Mm. When I work with new leaders, they have not set that up. Mm. And what they've done usually, many times, not always, is somebody comes with a problem to them and they immediately thank them for bringing the problem and you get whatever you praise. So you're going to get more and more problems. And then the leader will take it on. Because it was brought to them and, that's right. and they have the ability to fix it and they're a and hero. They're the big yeah, they're the hero. Yeah. And so if if the leader has done that route, which new leaders oftentimes do, oftentimes do this because yeah. they 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 think that's what they're hired for. Yeah.
1: And they think that's servant leadership.
0: Uh absolutely. Instead of what my definition is, is that a leader is really one who helps others uncover right. or discover it themselves.
1: Right. Right. Well, You should
0: not be doing their work.
1: I love that you talk about setup because here's another dynamic that I experience in the setup is the leader wants their team to come to them uh, and, and um, with a problem is okay as long as I have a solution, right? As long as I'm bringing one idea. The problem is I've set up in the past. You bring me an idea and I shoot it down. If you keep yes. bringing me ideas and I keep shooting them down and telling you to do this instead, you're going to stop bringing me ideas. So we set that up too as leaders. So back we're back to accountability, and this is our this is on us as leaders to draw out the right stuff. We're trying to draw out.
0: Absolutely. Every time I work with a leader, I was just working with one recently, and overwhelmed and all this stuff and and she has people who promise to get something done and then they don't do it and then she goes and talks to them now listen to the words i'm using mm-hmm. she talks to mm-hmm. them and yeah. says well you promised that you were going to do this so she makes them wrong they are contrite and they're going to do better in the future and yet the problem never goes away and so yeah. now the leader is very frustrated and the person knows that nothing happens except she gets attention this sounds terrible but it isn't attention yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, is that what you want? And this is also one of the most important questions. What do you really want in this situation? Yes. Because I want this woman to do her job. Well, you don't have any power over that. You do have power over how you treat her or how you talk to her at what questions you ask her. And then she's going to make a decision whether or not to do her job. But right now, what you're doing is not producing the results you want. So one, stay with what you're doing. (laughs) or figure out a different way. What's a different question you could ask her. And this woman was like stumped because she doesn't know, or you would do it. Right. Yeah. So then it was, what do you believe? What relationship, what reputation do you think you're building with me when you don't get things done? What? A reputation. I I, I, I I didn't realize that was what was going on. And you just ask it really lightly, lovingly. And you just say, help me understand, because I thought you agreed to do something. Is that what happened? Yeah. Well, yes. You know, and, and they, you just start to say, so then I'm going to go backwards with you, Patrick, in that I would have to know my intent before I ask anything. And right. I think that's where leaders get into trouble. They want to make the person wrong or they want something rectified or they want to get a solution and they're just focused on the end result instead of how can I help this person uncover or discover it themselves?
1: Yeah, that's right. No, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I know that you have talked uh, about knowing what you want rather than what you don't want. And I'm, yes. t- I'm totally a, a believer in that too. I've told the story many times since I started riding my motorcycle that the first thing you learn when you're riding a motorcycle is that the bike goes where you're looking. And if you're looking at the pothole and you want to avoid it and you just go, oh, no, a pothole, a pothole, a pothole, you're going to hit it every single time. And if you're U-turning, you can't look at the, the stuff in front of you that you're, you know, make sure the wheel is turning enough and you can turn that heavy bike around. You have to, you have to look behind you at where you want the bike to go. And it's this fixation uh, thing, the fixation on the rock, the ditch, the, the pothole. And we do that with our organizations. The organization goes where we're looking. And if we're focused on this, this is a big deal in the nonprofit sector because we talk about um, nonprofits are out there to try to solve problems. And we view communities, as Peter Block would say, as a set of problems to be solved (laughs) rather than a set of possibilities that we haven't yet uncovered. And so right. we go to solve the problem and everything is fixated on the problem. People are hungry and people are in poverty and people are in poor health and we have this and we have that and the government is set up to do this and this community and gentrification and blah blah, blah and it's all the hard, all the stuff. And we fixate on those things and that carries over into our operation. We fixate on how little money we have. Mm Because we didn't, we don't get the big grants that the huge nonprofits get, or, you know, we, you know, we lost a major donor or, and we fixate on the scarcity rather than asking the questions of what we want to achieve with, with what we have and what's possible.
0: Beautiful. I also, I flip it for my, a lot of my clients and they enjoy being a problem solver, right? Some people wear that like a little badge, right? That's what we do around here. We fix these societal problems. We fix this. And our goal is to fix these problems. And when you are thinking that you're a problem solver, you're always going to have problems. (laughs) That's right. So, and, and you rare it like a badge of honor. Yeah. Now I'm not saying this is all wrong, but I'll ask just a really simple question. Do you really want to constantly be focused on problems or would you like to be focused on finding solutions? Now. The difference between one leader and another is one leader is a problem solver. The other is a solution finder. Now think about the difference. They both have something that is brought forth that they really want to address or make better. But if I look at it like a problem and then that's where I get my value, I'm going to have lots of problems. But if I look at like a solution and I get my value from providing solutions then I'm gonna look for more and more what you call opportunities.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I and I would even suggest you could even take the word solution and replace it with possibility. So instead of being a problem solver, I'm a possibility seeker. And because the the minute you say solution, it implies it still implies there's a problem, right?
0: Yes. And there's where there's that like everybody would say it's not a challenge, it's an opportunity. Right. But when I'm in it, it it's appears a challenge, very much like a challenge. <laughs> and, a- and there's a stone in the road and I could say, Oh, that stone is my opportunity. But mm. when I'm looking at the stone, it's heavy, it's hard. Right. I, I, am still going to look at it. You can tell, then I think it's platitudes. It's like saying, um, an affirmation, yeah. right? I, I, I find that I, I start to not believe it's true. That's
1: right. And that's but what a lot I, of people think it is. They think it's semantics.
0: Agreed. But when I think of a solution, so I have, a, I have something in the road. It's a boulder. Yeah. Now I could say it's a problem that I have to find, you know, I have to fix this problem. Or I could say, I'm not the only one who's going to have this problem. And yeah. that's when it's not an opportunity. I'm going to find the solution.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And then that's where I go. Cause I, I don't always think of opportunities, but I also, I'm, I'm a person who's going to look at a solution. And then I'm proud of myself that I helped find a solution and let's share that solution with everyone we know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I- it, Did that make sense? It does, and this is so good. You're, you're, this is making my wheels turn too because now I'm thinking, okay, is there a difference between an opportunity and a possibility? So the a possibility would be, yeah, the stone, the stone is not an opportunity. The stone is right. clearly a, a, a danger. It's a threat yep. at, at the yep. least. A possibility says, what, what are my options? You know, where, where else can I turn Uh, back to your question? Where do I want the bike to go? Right. Not where do I not want the bike to go or, or or whatever that is. So, yeah, I mean, what seem like semantics are there. It's really more than that. I think the words we use and say are critical. They, the stories we tell ourselves with these words are totally meaningful.
0: And that's the neuro-linguistic program piece. Yeah, It's like when I listen, what I am for my clients is a word watcher.
1: Yeah. And when
0: they say the word, my job is to go in and figure out by asking questions, what did that word mean to them? And that's that's where you uncover limiting beliefs that someone doesn't even know they have. Yeah, that's right. And we walk around the world with limiting beliefs we're many of us are walking wounded really we are because we've been put down by another leader or because we were raised up because someone left and we don't feel we have the skills yet yeah there's so many things that we bring to the party yeah and if we can look at things in a new way through better questioning then life gets better for us
1: well it's another it's another framework for what we talked about, uh, on the last episode. And I, I Shauna, you will love, uh, the episode we did a couple of weeks ago with Sophie McLean, um, who, who is, she's a wisdom teacher. And what she uh-huh. talks about is disentangling our egos and mm-hmm. what, she, what we're talking about in terms of limiting beliefs or shadow beliefs come from what she called, um, decisions we made, decisions we made about yes. about something we experienced or something we observed. Um, and she differentiated between decision and choice, you know, uh, and it just was wonderful. I hope you'll go back and listen to it cause I think you'll love it. It is, will ring really true with Beautiful. someone who is uh, trained in neuro linguistic programming as you are. Um, uh, let me shift gears real quick. I got a few things I want to uh, grab with you while, while I've got you. Um, I went on your website and took your blind spot quiz and I loved it. And here's why I loved it. First of all, it was spot on. I mean, it just, it nailed me. I thought, well, let me take it seriously. Let me not just go through just to see what the questions are. Let me see what it tells me. And uh, no, no surprise to me. And what I loved is that when, when, uh, when the result came back and said, it it talked about how I'm action oriented and I might, I might move too quickly. I might not think and, and, you know, do enough planning or have enough focus on what I'm doing because I really want to act and move. And then the result said, you're not surprised by this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it literally said that. And I'm like, are you
0: where are you? Shana? It's not like you don't know what you are. <laughs> I'm
1: like, are you in here? Uh, well, some people don't, they don't, that does That's surprise right. them. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, I'm a high D on the disc and all that I do. I want action. actually, I want to move. I don't always, you know, think through all the detail. Um, but what the, the struck me about the site is that you say you're helping the leader to find their blind spot singular. And in my, in my coaching experience at in my personal, I have many blind spots. What I like is that you're helping us focus on one though. And the one maybe that might be showing up daily, (laughs) like the one that might be the, the biggest issue for us if we don't pay attention to us, can you, uh, maybe just share a little bit about how, how, you know, the assessment tool or, or, um, you know, why you focus on the one blind spot and, and then how you help your coaches see and, and fix their blind spots. I know. Three, three questions, questions in one.
0: I know. And I get beautiful questions and I can tell you're a coach. <laughs> and also the fact that you do, you went and took the, the quiz. It's, yeah. it, it says a lot about who you are and it's a free quiz. Anyone can take it. They can go to my website and it. Well, take I just
1: it. took action, Shauna. See, I just, it See, was there in front of me. I, said, Click here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I guess here's the thing. It's one of the tools that I teach my Coaches, my my leaders, is the fact that we can really only focus on one thing at a time. True, we we really can. Now, people will say I multitask. That's right, and they do not. They don't. And the example I use is um, Bruce Lee, the martial artist Mm -hmm. that was so incredible and did a, a big vision statement, what have you. He never fought like seven guys at once. There was no possibility. What he did was he fought one man and rapidly refocused. Right Now think about this for just a minute, everyone listening, that you can't do two things at once because neither one of them will have your full attention. But if you give your full attention to one blind spot, you'll be able to rapidly refocus on another one as it evolves. So as as something comes up in you, if it's fast and unfocused and you're like, I already knew this about myself, now what do I do? Or I have already heard that but then let's listen to it or hear it or get asked a question in a new way. So that's where I work with my clients. The most to answer your question is that you can only really focus on one blind spot at a time, just one, and then all the rest of them will come out. And if I'm really um, a word watcher for someone, then there's layers to a human, layers to everything. Yes. And so once you begin going down a path and say, well, It looks like this is what your belief is. Is that true? Or help me understand what your intent is or what you're what you're doing here. And they have to answer those questions. Along that little path we're on together, the next blind spot will show up. Or it'll prove itself. And Mm. then there's a tool for that. Or there's a technique Mm. or something to think that's new. And the minute you shift someone's thinking, because I believe step one and all of this work is awareness. Definitely. If you're unaware, yeah, if you're unaware, you you there's no there's no Absolutely. any kind of improvement. Like, "Oh, I was unaware of that." Sometimes I'll just say, "Are you aware that you said this 7 times?" "What? No, I didn't." You know, and I'll ask permission to interrupt them when they say it, and they'll yeah. go, "I didn't say that right then." I'll go, "Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were so unaware."
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So that's that's kind of step 1, and that's why the blind spot there's four main categories, but there's multiple, as you know, as a coach, there's multiple things that we've got going on and we can think so rapidly. And that's what you're doing. If you're good at doing a variety of tasks, kind of simultaneously, you think you're just a good rapid refocuser.
1: You are. And even then there's plenty of research that says, you are, you're hurting your, you're still hurting yourself because Absolutely. The, the, you're not as rapid as you think you are because your right. mind is not actually focusing fully back in for a while. You think it is, but it, it, it really isn't. I've definitely seen that research. The other thing that hit me as you, uh, you know, as I went through this blind spot thing is that you know I'm reminded that um, something I always say, and I'm sure I, i I've, I picked it up across the years and you've heard it, but a strength overplayed is a liability. Mm -hmm. And what I found in, in my blind spot with you, for example, was, yeah, sure. I take action. Well, that's a strength. I consider that to be a virtue and an asset and it's a great, you know, I don't get analysis paralysis. I'm able to move. I'm, I'm decisive. I get things done. I'm not afraid to fail because I just move on. However, because of that, because that's a strength, I lean on it and I use it and I embrace it and I I wear it like a badge, as you would say. Um, But it, but it creates for me a blind spot. And that is where I think that that's what I think blind spots are sometimes is strengths overplayed. We don't, we don't, we don't, we would never see it as a liability, but it can be. I think
0: that's well said. It absolutely can be. And if it's a blind spot, it is a liability because you don't see it. That's the whole point of a blind spot Yeah, and having an outside coach. The kind of people who hire you or hire me have something way ahead of the game already. No doubt. Because they they realize they an outside eye is going to get them faster, closer to where they really want to go. And so many people believe they can do it themselves. And there's their mm. blind spot right there. <laughs> I mean, they're they're they don't even know, which is one of the blind spot categories. They don't know, they don't know. And a lot of leaders do not know they don't know. Matter of fact, you'll probably laugh because you get this too, I'm sure. I have leaders that say to me, oh, my people would always tell me the truth. <laughs> and I'm like, um, well, you know, I, I, I'm glad you have a good relationship with them. However, their livelihood is tied into you. you. Right. They will not tell you the truth. And if you are the leader that says, oh, I've got a great idea and I want to know what you think you just ruined it right then. Cause you said it was a great idea. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Even if they don't think it is. So I get a lot of blind spot on that with leaders that they really don't know. They don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, this is, and this is why we do three sixties, um, yeah. anonymously. And I, so j- just like, you know, the number of people that you've heard say, well, my people will be honest with me. I can't tell you how many, I mean, I've had plenty of coaches literally in tears yeah, reading their three sixty because they had no clue. They had no clue. They look at something and they go, "What? I, I'm not a, I'm not a warm person. What? I go, yeah. I'm, of course, I'm a warm person. How? Who could possibly say this? Or, what do you mean? I don't communicate well, or I micromanage? No, I don't. And then they, and then they move in denial, yeah, um, because their people actually told them the truth, or at least their their view of it from their seat.
0: It, it's true, and. I think that that's where a three hundred and sixty is, is such a great tool. Um, I work more with people who have already come, like you, to the realization. Like it's not a surprise to them. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and uh, it, because ultimately, when they're in that level of leadership, they get that they don't know that they don't know, or mm-hmm. they want to know what they don't know. Right. Instead of it being a surprise to them, and I love new leaders because new leaders never think, you know, I mean, they're like, but they're making their mistakes right off the bat. They're making their mistakes by doing the third thing that most leaders do and don't realize it. They tell, they sell, or here's the one that a lot of new leaders and even mature leaders do. They allow. Um, I liken it. We'll use animals again. And if you've had any background noise on here at all, it's because we're doing this live and I have animals wandering around inside my office. It's just the way I live my life. Um, if you, the dogs clean, right? I live in the country and they're dirty dogs, but the dogs clean one day and I go, Oh, come on up here on the couch with me. <laughs> I allow that one time, yeah. And now that dog knows that that couch is his.
1: Yeah. And
0: my animals don't get on the furniture for a simple reason that I cannot determine when they're clean and dirty. I mean, they cannot decipher. And so, what happens with leaders, some, not all, is they don't want to embarrass someone publicly, somebody has bad behavior in a meeting or they show up late and their goal is not to, of course, not to ever ridicule or put someone down, but they go to the side or privately and they say, this behavior isn't effective. And I would like you to work on your behavior. And yet that person still has an attitude and what have you, the rest of the team believes they're allowing bad behavior. Oh yes. And you're going down a slippery slope and you're going to get more and more and more what you get more of what you allow.
1: Oh, so, absolutely. And and yeah. there comes a time, you know, let's just move into hard management. Yep. You know, there are times when it's time to part ways with someone and I can, boy, I, I don't know how it is in the corporate sector these days. I, I was in it for a while before I spent, you know, now the last three decades in the nonprofit sector, but, but we are loath to terminate somebody. because we care and we love them and that we think they can get there and we believe we like them and, uh, this is their job and it's, yeah. And, but they're not getting the results. And so, you know, I, of course, as the coach, I'm leading them down the line. Well, do you think they can get there? Do you believe this is someone who can, that you can coach and bring to a place that you need to get them? And it's like a, it's like a, it's like a branch. It's like a, 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 it's like a choice branch. If the answer is yes, then the question is how, how do you right. think, How what's your role in helping them get to a place where you need them to be? And if the answer is no, it's, well, how willing are you, what's your appetite for just putting up with that? You know, what's the trade-off? What are you getting that's worth that? And what, what and what do you think your team thinks about it? And how is it going to affect their performance? And, you know, and they go down this path and it is, it's difficult. This allowing piece, you really, you really landed on that one because that's, I see that all the time.
0: It's one of the biggest things. Well, uh, the three things that I talk to my clients about the most and we, we work on is the telling, selling and allowing. And let's talk about this one issue that you brought up though. Somebody is not performing Mm -hmm. and you know it, they know it. And so we have a talk with them or we, we do a, a a plan. A lot of people do a plan, right? You know, we, we're going to meet with them and they've got a three month plan Mm But we don't believe they're going to change and they're not changing and it's two months in and now we're just waiting for the three months to be up. It's already over. We're we're still allowing. That's right. So one of the things that I'll work with my clients quite a bit on is the question you might ask. And so even before the plan, if you love this person and your intent, let's go back, awareness and intent. And my intent is to find out what they really want. I might ask a simple question and say, let's go over the results we've got. If that's all right. Yep. Not done. Not done. Are you happy with these results? And then more importantly, you might ask this question based on these results. It doesn't look like you want to be here. Is that true? Well, you don't have to fix anything because usually that person will go, Wow, based on those results, it does look like I don't want to be here. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting them on the spot. I'm I'm just asking them this really simple, loving question. Based on these results, does it appear to you like you this person wants to work here? And it doesn't. So then the next question is, what do you think should happen next? Yeah. And I like them to fire themselves. My goal would be to never let anybody go, but to help them understand that they're going away because of what they want.
1: Yeah. Well, you're, you're speaking my language all over the place. The idea of asking those questions and what's, what's awesome. And I know you, I know you share this experience is the number of times that you'll ask a question like that. And somebody will go, you know what? You're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't (laughs) want be here.
1: What, 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 well, no, I'm as the coach, I'm going, what do you mean? I'm right. I just asked you a question. I didn't say fire him. I asked you, what you thought the results meant and what you thought the next step needs to be. And, and you, if you thought that meant I should fire them, then that came internally.
0: Yes. From them. You're right. Yes. And, yes, um, yes. But they'll
1: look at me and like, yeah. you know, I'll you'll ask a question like, well, what do you think the next step is? And they'll go, yeah, you're right. Like what? <laughs> don't put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. This is your decision, but it sounds like you've made it. Yeah. And I'll say that it sounds like you've made it. Yeah. Have you made a decision? You know, so yeah, this is this is uh, wonderful. I, you, you and I definitely speak much of the same language. There, uh, tell us a little bit more about um, yeah, the perfect timing. What perfect what's, timing? What's for the, the pup? Yeah, because I was about to ask about the pup and the animals. So, tell us a little bit about your place and your animals. How did you come to? How did you come to this place? This animal lover rancher type, but your your coaching leaders. How how does this? Tell us us how this intersection happened.
0: Well, and right now I don't know what they're seeing outside. And the little one that's barking is a three-legged shelter dog, so um, he's he's still learning the ropes here. Uh, My older one, uh, my German, my big German Shepherd, does is not making noise. Thank God. Although if there's something outside, they may start. Um, One of the things that's interesting, I've been and lived, I was raised in the country, born in rural Oregon, Mm -hmm. and. Hang on for one minute. Hey, Mason, <laughs> come here, Mason and Kingston. There we go. Um, so I've always had animals, and one of the things, and I, I wish realized,
1: our I wish our listeners could see because I can see a little bit, and they're just so beautiful too. They're just
0: yeah. Most, is that Mace,
1: a. Mason's the German, German Shepherd. Is yeah, he black? Is he shepherd? black?
0: Yeah, he's black. Wow. And just, here's my little three legged.
1: Oh, can you believe that? Is look he at cutest, that. Aren't he is. You can get
0: around really well with three legs.
1: Well, uh, so, but I don't want to interrupt where you're going here, but I love this. I love the reality of this and the organic nature of this, because this is a, a case of you, you are who you are and you don't separate your profession from your person to the degree that you have to be somebody else. This is who you are. And it's what, I think it's what makes your, your approach special and unique. So I appreciate it. I Thank love it. Thank you.
0: Well, and I, one of the things that I said to a leader one time, I always, it's it felt as if i was using a lot of animal analogies and people could relate to them yeah but i remember how it really f- flipped for me when i looked at a man one time and i'd ask him to make a list of all of the people on his team and and a couple of good things about each one and he couldn't he he had 80 people under him and he didn't know them oh, wow. and uh one of the reasons i was in talking to him is because his cfo Knew me and said, "If you don't hire her, I'm leaving." So he was—he had some challenges. And I looked at him and I said, "You know what? I think I think maybe you would value from getting a dog." And he said, "A dog—they're dirty and you know, blah blah blah." And I said, "Yes, and you can't fire them." <laughs> and it was like, you, "This is a this is an issue where you're responsible," and this for this this is where you're talking about your ability. Right? Yeah. You're responsible for this living thing. Yeah. And anyway, he decided to get a dog and he became a far superior leader. Interesting. And I realized that like animals don't talk back to us and they don't make stories up. If they're limping, (laughs) they're hurting. And and also when they're fearful, usually when they bite. An animal doesn't bite because they're just a nasty animal. It's Mm. usually because they're in pain. Mm. An analogy I like to use a lot is when somebody's biting at you, one of your team members or one of the people you're serving is harsh or critical. (sighs) It could be that they're in pain.
1: Or threatened.
0: Or threatened. Or or feel threatened, yeah. Agreed by you, maybe, or by someone else. And it isn't your problem. However, you've got this biting human
1: Mm.
0: that their whatever their history is and so animals are that pure yeah so i i use a lot of dog horse analogies because a horse if you're giving it a little pressure just a little it should go against the pressure well your team is just exactly like that mm. you give them just a little bit of pressure and then ultimately that horse thinks it's their idea mm. was well, not a good idea <laughs> You know, you're giving them a little bit of pressure to the, on the right side of their body and they're going to move left and think it's their idea. Mm. And this is the best leader is to help people by great questions, give them a teeny bit of pressure, go in the way that you want them to go and let them do it themselves.
1: One of our favorite leadership definitions uh, I've said probably, I don't know, every other episode, it seems like is from Marty Linsky, who says that leadership is disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb.
0: <laughs> that's a great definition. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought
1: of when you talked about that pressure, because we do, we put pressure, but we can't let it implode. We can't, we can't apply so much pressure
0: That's right. again
1: that we become pushers, for example. So,
0: well, and that's, you know, my, me using the word pressure is a horse term. Yeah. It's a little bit on your leg to move the horse over yeah. a little bit on the rein and that's where people make a big mistake they put a lot on yeah and you're going to get a bad reaction same with an animal yeah you know you can manhandle that that dog or that cat but you're not going to get what you want
1: that's right. it's much
0: better to use and that's the story the ted ted talk story that i was trying to push a pig and yeah. just so everybody knows you can't push a pig <laughs> yeah. If the pig doesn't want to go your direction, you're, it's going. not going. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to learn to do something else like coax them or make it good for them. Yeah. And, you know, and we are pushing our agendas. Leaders push their agendas. And if yeah. I work in the corporate world quite a bit and, and the leaders are given the agenda, they don't even believe in it sometimes. That's right. And boy, oh boy, how are we doing this? Yeah. So, and you guys with the boards, right? Where this is what our call is and we've got to do it this way. And hello, it's the same, same.
1: You guys with the boards. That is, <laughs> that is one of the best descriptions, you know, cause it, I feel that way sometimes now, now I'm not in a nonprofit anymore, but I spent a lot of time in executive leadership and nonprofits. And I can tell you, I love being on the coach side. Yes, um, as a because professional, you have the, don't have the boards, Because <laughs> uh, so I don't have those boards, but I, you know, I tongue in cheek, there's such, there's such fulfillment that comes when you, when yes. you get the right board and, yes. and they're engaged. Um, but you know, your pig story reminded me of another leadership definition that you've probably heard from Dwight Eisenhower, which is that, that the leadership is the art of getting people to do things you want done because they want to do it.
0: Yes. Yes, 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 yes.
1: And that's not how a lot of leaders lead. So hey, I'm curious. Um, I, I know, I know we need to go and wrap this up. I'd love to ask our guests um if they can tell us about a leader or two in your life or early career, or wherever it is, who you would say has had tr- profound impact on you as a leader and why. Could you mm-hmm. tell us of one Beautiful. or two?
0: I can. There is a woman I met, uh I had just come off the road, I was performing. And I'd been on the road for over five years and I'd come back home and didn't have a job. And my dad was sick. And I heard about this modeling school. It was a finishing and fashion school. And I'd been through finishing school a couple of times. My mother wanted me to have advantages because I was a farm girl and thought no one would ever marry me. Anyway, I walked in and this woman was so put together. I didn't have an appointment. I didn't have a resume. And she welcomed me and said, so- what could you do for us? Do you think? And I, I I was, well, I believe that models need movement. And I believe that fitness is important because I just come off the road from dancing. Right. And she said, this is the epitome. I still have her in my life, by the way, she said, well, why don't you put a class together, do the research, put it, and then teach it to us. And if we like it, we may put it in our curriculum. Now she didn't pay me for this. She didn't say, let's try. I mean, she just threw out an opportunity. Mm. So I did all this research and I put all this stuff together and I made these d- charts and I, and then I gave them the class and they went, it was wonderful. What do you want to earn? And I was ready at this time. Cause I'd called someone and I asked for this gigantic amount of money and they went, that sounds fine. <laughs> and I realized I was in control of my own destiny. And wow. I went on to work for that company for years. I r- ran the programs. I wrote the courses. It was such a great training ground all because of this woman who said, put something together. Wow. Yeah. And she was smart.
1: Well, that's leadership. Yeah, That's, that's definitely leadership. leadership. That
0: is leadership. She didn't micromanage. She didn't say, she says, well, if that's what you think as an expert needs to be in this thing, then you create it.
1: I love it. Great example.
0: Yeah. So anyway,
1: kind of long. So uh, that's okay. That's all right. I have one more question for you. And before I ask it, I want you to, um, to make sure that we have the right place to go. I want, I want people to learn more about what you're doing. You you have such a a unique aspect of, of coaching. I I think I'm, I know you're helping so many people. Um, is the website, com the best place to It is. Just go. And And
0: then my own email, Shauna at Shauna Shoe. And the big thing is, is how they spell it. And I'm sure it'll be in your show notes. It will.
1: (laughs) It will. So it's Shauna, S-H-A-W-N-A, Shauna. And shoe is not like the shoe you put on your foot. It is S-C-H-U-H, S-C-H-U-H, shaunashoe.com. Um, Sean, I really do appreciate you uh, coming on the, this, this is great. I, th- I knew we would just have like a back, a nice back and forth in conversation. We didn't have to have a ton of notes or anything You're uh, great. because we, we do the same stuff. And I think we're in it for, um, not only our own fulfillment, but just knowing that we're bringing value to others. And this is a great reminder of that. So thank you for that. Um, my last question for you is what is your number one tip top tenet of leadership if you had the shauna shoe 20 second soundbite of what all leaders should keep in mind above all other things what would that be
0: i think i've mentioned it enough already and it would be of all things in all the history of the world it would be the quality of your questions Mm. determine your results boy i'd Just the quality of your questions, not just being a questioner. It's not enough. Yep. It's the quality of your questions determine your results.
1: So true. Yeah. You know, we go through, um, at, at LSI leadership systems incorporated is where I got my certification and we do coaching training there for people who are looking to become better coaches, not just professionally, but as a leader coach inside their organizations. And, uh, you know, curiosity is, is one of the things that we, we constantly talk about, and uh just so much of that training there has has come back around in this conversation I uh, and I, I yeah i just really appreciate that and um thanks for sharing shauna com is the place to go and learn more about what she's doing lead on people
0: and thank you
1: thank you